young Tell us everything you wanna be Yin Yang Share with us all of your dreams Yin and Yang So welcome back to uh, Yin and Yang, the podcast. Um, this is going to be episode uh, let's see, uh, 16. Uh, we'll be talking. Um, so the last one, uh, Dan was, uh, was unable to join us. But uh, this time, Dan is back. And um, we're talking with another uh, a writer, director. And I, I would dare say maybe like a world traveler of sorts. Um, uh, Mr. Byron Q. Yay. 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 Yeah. Yay. Everyone. Yay. Uh, uh, Byron Q. on the show. Thank you, man. Uh, basically, pretty, we just talk about whatever. Um, you know, we talk about relationships, we talk about filmmaking, whatever you want to talk about. Uh, first off, what I like to do is um, I'll do like a little brief intro of how we met, and then, uh, then Byron, I'll just ask you if there's anything we can fill in the gaps or whatever. Um, so, uh, so okay, so Byron and I go way back to uh, back to UC San Diego, uh, where we first met uh, back in our undergrad. Uh, Byron was a uh, at the time they didn't even they didn't have a film major. They, he, it was like visual arts major basically. So, but it's basically like a film major. It's like the equivalent of a film major, and. Um, I was undeclared, but I was interested in film. I had acted in like some short films before, and I took this class, this uh, intro to film class. And I'm trying to think. I'm I'm pretty sure. I think we met there. I'm trying to remember if we met before that, but I would say, correct me if I'm wrong. I think we met in the class, and um, uh, I I guess yeah. he yeah. Tr- I'm trying to remember. Was, was it intro to film or was it one of these? Um... Um, this 60 or, or something like that did we have to work on a project together yeah we had to work on like a one minute short with like no sound and then uh-huh. um, yeah uh, okay okay yeah so uh, basically yeah. Byron um, and I like I guess because he's also from the Bay Area kind of like he he's from the Bay Area he lived there for a while and I was like oh shit you're from Bay Area I'm from the Bay Area too from the South Bay actually so mm-hmm. um and uh, we connected on that, and we all, uh, we also met another homie, um, Ken. I don't know if you remember Kenneth, but like uh, he's from the mm-hmm. Bay, yeah Bay Area, and uh, yeah, we just made we uh, we made some films together, and we kept in touch ever since. And what was what's always struck me was that Byron is has always been really driven. Like I would say he was probably the most out of that class, probably the most driven out of everyone there, even more than me for sure. So like. Um, since then, he's made his own feature films. His first feature was Bang Bang, which has premiered, uh, you know, in uh, like nationally across the U.S. He's also uh, made a f- another film called uh, Las Vegas. Uh, or I guess, wait, wait, what's the official title? Sorry, Byron. Uh, Las Vegas Story. La- Las Vegas Story. Sorry, yeah, Las Vegas Story. Uh, he had a Kickstarter for that, um, and basically, uh, yeah, he, it's. And then since then, he's also done a lot. Of, he's done like music video shoots. He's done commercials. Um, 
but on top of all this, this guy Byron is—he's also a very—he's so you guys can talk about this. Daniel's a surfer too. Byron's a surfer, uh, um, nice. yeah, and also a world traveler. He's been to South America. He's currently calling. This is this is props to you, Byron. Um, like he's calling from Germany, and right now it's like fucking six a.m. Oh, you can cuss wow. on this podcast, yeah. So <laughs> I, I I I offered to like, hey, we can talk later, but he was like, no, nah, I'm down. He's like, so okay. Um, and on top, so Byron, on top of that, he's also a really spiritual guy. He's done he's done different forms of meditation, and uh, also, um, and we can talk about this later. He's a he has a lot of views about political systems, stuff like that. So we can get into that as well. Um, so a lot of talk about um, Byron. Uh, did I? Did you want to self introduce yourself? Did I miss anything? Um, no, that was pretty good. I also made a documentary called Rascal Love. Rascal Love. Yes, he did. Yeah. Uh, that was that was um, after Bang Bang. Rascal was one of the characters in in the Bang Bang, which was about Vietnamese gangsters. And then from there, from that character, he, he made a documentary. And from that documentary, he made, um, after that was Las Vegas Story. Am, am I correct? That timeline? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yes. Sorry. Uh, I, you I, also forgot to tell people that uh, we also know each other from work at UCSD. Yes, where we, we had work- the best job. <laughs> there. <laughs> we worked as like house managers at UCSD. We um, drove around in carts, fucking like really chill. We just fix up rooms. And. Um, yeah, our, our our boss, I won't say his full name, but like TC, we'll call him TC. Uh, he was pretty dope. Um, really strong Republican, I think. But, you know, whatever. Um, and, uh, yeah, no, we had some good times. Um, yeah, yeah. So, so Byron, like, what, how are you, are you good on time? You good to talk for a bit, like an hour or so? Yeah, sure. Okay. Whatever you guys want. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, uh, tell, tell me, like, okay. Since, so let's 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 start off from the. I always like to start from the beginning, like page one. So, um, Byron, so tell me about yourself. Like, uh, like as a kid, you were you were moving around a lot. Like, okay, what's what's hometown for you? Is my first question. Hometown is, yeah, I guess Cupertino. Cupertino. So not San Jose or. Yeah, I mean, San Jose is very big, and I went to school in Cupertino High, but yeah. I, I technically lived in San Jose. Oh, okay, okay. But, yeah. like, if you were to pick a hometown, you would be, like, Cupertino area, I guess. Yeah, I would say Cupertino, because San Jose is more, when I think San Jose, it's more like East San Jose and that kind of, you know, culture, uh, which was a little bit different from the Cupertino uh, culture that I grew up in, mostly. Oh, what's, what's, uh, what's like, for those who don't know... Um, what's Cupertino culture compared to like East San Jose culture? Uh, Cupertino at this time was a little bit more mixed, so it wasn't like all Asian uh, like it is now. But and it was a little bit more, yeah. I guess it wasn't as ghetto if you could say it like that. And the schools were better, and it was a little bit more suburb. Right. Right. Now, is it is can we can we share your age or general age? Is that cool? Yeah, sure. Yeah, so basically, Byron's around my age. He's in his uh, early thirties, um, and uh, so you're talking about growing up in nineties then, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So that no, it's it's no, you're right. It's kind of like the Asians, especially I think the Chinese. A lot more Chinese came in later than us. Um, yeah. Yeah. 
Because I know growing up, it was a lot of Viets, a lot of Vien- Vietnamese and uh, Filipinos. Um, and then the Chinese, mm-hmm. the Chinese and Taiwanese influx came in a little bit later. I would say probably in the thousands, the 2000s or so, yeah. Yeah, and a lot of Indians moved out there too. Yeah, because of Silicon Valley for sure, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and Daniel, you're, I mean, you were, you were in and out of the Bay Area or you were in the Bay Area for like a good bit? Yeah, I was, I was in the Bay Area for a good six years. I, we probably overlapped. I, I was there from like 96 to about 2002. Oh, for sure then, yeah, yeah. I graduated yeah. high school in 02, so I didn't. And then and oh, that smokes. yeah, <laughs> and then uh, that, and then I met Byron in like '03 or some shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, okay. So so Cupertino's home, like Cupertino High. Did you get along with high school high, your high school classmates, or was that was that cool there? Um, high school was okay. I mean, there was a little bit of a uh, some problems. I, I would say I think everyone goes through these uh, problems in high school. But, yeah, it was an interesting dynamic in that area because, yeah, I mean, now looking back on it, it was like all the Asians from all the high schools were friends or like they knew each other and they kicked it together. So anytime you get a lot of Asians together and they're young, yeah, there's always going to be some sort of drama. So I had a little bit of that, and besides that, I wouldn't say anything that was um, too crazy. Because um, can I talk a little bit about um, we met? Because I interviewed you before uh, for like Cam, like remember uh, back in mm-hmm. San Francisco, and you talked about yeah. moving around a lot as a kid, like so before high school. Um, is it cool mm-hmm. if we talk about that a little bit? Like, were you? Sure. What? Because it was just you and your mom, right? Moving from place to place, uh, from what like age zero to like whatever i guess or um yeah and actually sometimes i moved i like i moved to china for a few years when i was very young wait were and you uh, time, born you u.s born or china born can you yeah. can, we, can we talk about that or uh, or you want to keep that private <laughs> yeah i'm u.s yes yeah born okay. in san francisco okay no shit i like bruce lee yeah yeah, yeah. okay yeah, yeah <laughs> just like bruce lee yeah i like that um, but yeah, I was born in the U.S. and then I moved to China for, I think, four four years. And over there, I lived with my uh, grandparents and my aunt and my uncle over there. And then I moved back. And then at one point, I moved back to China, but only for about a year and a half. And that was split between Hong Kong and Beijing. So yeah, I definitely moved back and forth from China and America. And then when I was in America, I moved around from city to city. Uh, I lived in Hayward. Uh, Concord, Palo Alto, Milpitas, San Jose. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I think I'm missing a few cities like uh, Fremont. Yeah, I pretty much moved <laughs> every single city in, in the Bay Area. Bay area. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's see, Danville. Did you ever go to the East Bay like that? Or? Danville. Oh no, 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 I didn't go that far. Okay, yeah. So, but Hayward, okay, okay, Fremont. Yeah, yeah. Milpitas, my hometown. Yeah. Um. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so wait. So, like, it, when you were when you were in China with your with your grandparents, mm-hmm. um, so you, so you're speaking Mandarin or Cantonese or a different mm-hmm. dialect. Mandarin. Mandarin. Okay, cool. So your first language you would say is Mandarin. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, yeah, I guess so. If you really think about it, yeah, Mandarin is okay. my first language. Okay, cool, cool. Um, now, okay, it's gonna get a little p- 
personal. Um, so dad's not in the picture, or? Oh uh, yeah, yeah. My dad uh, left uh, pretty early. Okay. All right. And that was just um, okay. So he left like right from the start, I guess. He wasn't there. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So just you and your mom, and your mom's from Beijing. Mm-hmm. Do you keep in contact with your dad's family at all, or no? That's completely no, no connection. Yeah, I, I do have a little bit of uh, contact with my dad's side of the family, and I did live with that side of the family for a few years. Oh, really? Okay. And like that was part of the reason why I moved around a little bit. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I still have contact with uh, some of my cousins over there. Oh, okay, cool. And my, cool. my aunt, yeah. But not so much with uh, with the, the dad, though. No, no. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, so you're moving around in China. Uh, okay, so we went to China. Then you were back in the states from what it sounds like age five to like um, till high till high school age, I guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But kind of back and but you said there was like a period where you were back and forth. Um, now, do, so okay, we gotta talk about this drama. Let's talk about this drama in high school. What's going on, man? Were you were you, were you a gang- in high school? Yeah, were you a gangster? What's going on? Why why you no, make no. why you make bang bang man? You gangster or what's up? <laughs> no, I'm not a gangster and there was really no gangsters in uh, Cupertino. Um at least not what we think of as real gangsters or at least what I found out later on. But no, in high school it was just a uh, typical high school drama. Maybe uh, yeah, like a little bit of fighting and this kind of stuff. Um I think you see that a lot. Um especially in California with especially during the 90s when everybody was trying to be um a thug or whatever your first so, fight your first fight who was it with <laughs> first fight um i don't remember it was probably with some kid in Palo Alto actually really okay east palo alto or no no the smart palo alto or like the nice <laughs> Uh, the burbs. Daniel, I and, sparred. Uh, I sparred yeah. with uh, Byron once at UCSD, and uh, uh-huh. he kind of beat me up. Like he's actually he's a he's a he's scrappy dude, man. Like, <laughs> he's he's got good um, body coordination. I mean, I think I think surfing helps, but yeah. Anyways, well, no, you know what it is? I did wrestling. Oh yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah, but we you, we sparred or did we wrestle? We uh, we did both, like, cause when we were like during the downtime, right? Like, we just get bored and like we would wrestle or like spar sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I remember. <laughs> but but I remember we did like a boxing one in like the hall. So like when we're you know the entrance on the second floor when we're going back to the office, I said, hey dude, I started jabbing you and like you got like serious and I was like, oh <laughs> shit, I got kind of scared for a second because you were bobbing and weaving. And you're kind of you're smaller than me, right? So like it's you're like a harder target for me. And I was like, oh shit! And then you caught me like I think um, in the chest or something. I was like, oh. So no, nah, yeah, yeah. Anyways, um, the reason I asked is kind of like um, now, you know, they talk about personality formation, right? Like coming from childhood or stuff like that. Like, did you feel your personality start setting in? Some people say it's like seven years old, and then. Or it's like right when you're born. Like when did you feel, start feeling like coming into your, like knowing who you were? Was that high school, college, or just recently? <laughs> yeah, I think uh, more recently, you know. I don't know how many people know themselves already at seven years old. Uh, did you, James or Dan? <laughs> I Well, I mean, for me, I had a sense of who I was. Like I knew, 
I think at seven, I knew that I I was like, I don't know. I liked I liked performing in front of other people. I liked I I didn't know it at the time what it was, but I guess I was attracted to the arts, you know, like. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the time, I didn't know what that was, or like I really I remember as a kid, like The Wizard of Oz, right? I remember that shit was playing on TV, right? Mm-hmm. And I was just like. I couldn't stop watching it. My, I remember it turned on. And I was watching it, and my dad he had prepped, he had prepped a chair for me to cut my hair, right? And he's like, James, hey, it's time to cut for me to cut your hair. I'm like, oh, but I want to know what happens next, right? I was just so enthralled by the story. So in in mm. some way, yes, but then you know, like I took some detours about you know self discovery, and of course, I'm still trying to figure out. I'm still trying to, you know, unwrap the layers of who I am, but I did get a sense of like, you know, kind of who I was today. So I guess my question to you is like, did you know that you wanted to be a filmmaker or some side a traveler or like you're a spiritual person? Like, did you have hints of that as a kid or not really? Yeah, it's hard to say, but I did have a attraction to the arts as a young child because I used to draw. Uh, I used to draw Disney characters, and I would just basically copy the Disney character. But uh, supposedly, I did it really well, and this is when I was like five or six, and I could basically recreate a, a character from looking at it. Oh shit! And then later on, um, when I was in elementary school, I was also drawing. Yeah, I was really into drawing and making like comic strips, like little cartoon comic strips, and that was the first time when I really. Like I used to want to be a, a cartoonist. Oh. So yeah, I guess, but I didn't know at the time, you know, that I was, you know, attracted to arts or anything. But yeah, looking back, there was a uh, hint of it along the way. That's interesting because my last interview I did with do you. Do you know Henry J. Kim? He's a Bay Area filmmaker. Um, mm, no. Okay. Um, I talked to him last week, and uh, basically, he had a similar his dad like got paid in comp like he did his dad did a job one time he got paid in comic books <laughs> and basically yeah he he had a strong attraction to comics so I, there might be a connection because i think a, like there's a lot of other directors i know that seem attracted to painting or to drawing prior to becoming whatever you know director or cinematographer later on i guess um mm-hmm. i mean do you definitely. think there's a connection definitely definitely yeah 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 so so what, how, how come you didn't pursue, uh, didn't you, how, did you continue that in college? Because I knew you, I remember you doodling in college, but I don't think you were taking it seriously though. Um, no, I pretty much, I was discouraged, I think, by a lot of my family with the whole drawing and cartoons kind of stuff. And uh, so I never really looked at it as something that I really wanted to do later as a career. Okay. Um, was this yeah. high school? Um, no, it was even earlier than that. Because oh. when I was a kid, I drew the stuff, and then I told people that I wanted to be a cartoonist. Yeah, yeah. And then a lot of people said, "Oh yeah, you know, you, if you become a cartoonist, you can't make any money, and yeah, don't even try." So I was like, "All right." Oh man! So they crushed your dreams. That's too bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dan, do your kids draw? No, they are not artistic at all. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of sad, but yeah, they're tone deaf as well. Really, but your yeah. your 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 oldest kid is a good actor, though. Yeah, I mean, with your in your short film, 
it's very dramatic, but as far as like actually drawing and singing is concerned, it it's not it's not very good. So Dan, uh, Byron, uh, Dan has two kids. They're really young, like uh, two and four. So, um, uh, but no, I, I, he his his oldest son acted in like a, a short film I did. So. Yeah, I saw it. Oh, you saw that? Yeah, that's that's yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm re-editing. Yeah, oh, thanks, man. I appreciate that. I'm gonna re-edit. Yeah, it was for the contest, right? It was yeah. for the um, the yeah, the Justin Lin's uh, contest thing. Yeah, yeah. Did you do one or no? I don't think I saw yours. Um, no, I didn't do one. Oh, okay, dude, I met Justin Lin um, at uh, at the L.A. Asian Pacific Film Festival. He was they were rescreening. Nice. Um, uh, uh, better luck tomorrow like the as sundance cut yeah so cool. yeah yeah so i met him he seems you know he's kind of shorter than i thought but like you know and no he seemed really cool yeah he's really like very humble very uh and very uh appreciative that i was there like people were there to support his, like this film he made such a long time ago you know nice yeah, yeah. um but uh w- so back in high school so wait, when did the film bug start? So when okay, you got discouraged. They crushed your dreams <laughs> of uh, drawing. So what happened in high school? Did you just kind of like do other shit then, or like did you go back to? Because I know in college, I don't know, man. When I met you in college, you seemed pretty like you knew that you wanted to do film. Like I, I I'm just curious, like how did you get to that point in high school? Like did you have to do some soul searching then, mm-hmm. or what what's going on there? Um yeah, in high school I wasn't really thinking too much about what I wanted to do in terms of a career. I think in high school, I was more just drawn into the whole high school life. And yeah, there were some ups and downs in high school, some problems. So I think I was more focused on that and focused on just trying to do good in school. Yeah. Um, I didn't really start thinking about what I really wanted to do until I was already in college. But before that, I had some... like. I would joke around with people or with my mom especially about being a movie director. Yeah. And she thought it was funny and she would tell this to her friends like, "Oh yeah, he's going to be a movie director." But like and they would have a good laugh about it. And then when I was in college, I was first a human biology major because that's what everyone was in uh UCSD, at, at, um, yeah. <laughs> at my spe- yeah. specifically my college um Shit, what college was that? The, the really smart one. Rebel, yes. Yeah, oh shit, Rebel, we're, we're, so. we're both rebellions. Yeah, yeah, no shit, yeah, yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah, you're just like yeah, one year, so you're, you're younger than me though, I think, but yeah, yeah. Right, yeah, one year below you. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I decided to do that just because I was already taking the classes towards that. Um, but as I was progressing, I started to really think about what do I really want to do. And I realized I didn't want to be a doctor. And knowing the process and how long it would take and what I would be doing, I was like, no, nah, I really don't see myself doing that. So why am I studying human biology? And then I started taking some classes in film just to kind of, you know, see what it was all about. And then as soon as I took some of these classes, I just got pulled into it. And, um, and then I changed my major and pretty much uh, made the commitment to film. Did you tell your mom? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Cause she was she and, paying for it, or were, did you take out loans? Um, yeah, it was mostly through loans and some, you know, student aid uh, grants and stuff. Oh, okay. And uh, what was her reaction to that? Um, she was definitely against it, and she tried. 
in every way possible to try to convince me not to do it. And she has her own way of like trying to tell me not to do it. She would just tell me stories about her friends, kids who are doing something different and they're making this much money or they're about to do this. And um, but she kind of knows that I was pretty independent, so it was hard for her to change my mind about this kind of stuff. And um, and then later on, when she realized that I wasn't changing my mind, then she was very supportive. Like, was your mom? Because I know my mom is you know, kind of, uh, like, real talk, like, she's kind of controlling, right? Um, she will tell me, <laughs> yeah, like, like, right now, I just graduated from, uh, you probably saw from my Instagram feed, but like, oh, I just, yeah, congratulations. Yeah. thank you, thank you, yeah. I just graduated from grad school, and, um, now my mom is giving me advice, like, James, you gotta go find a job, I already, because she's, she dropped a lot of money on me, right, to help me with grad oh. school, um, mm -hmm. and, uh, and yeah, but I kind of like, I don't know, I'm in that kind of lost zone. But basically, my point is that ever since I was a kid, she was, she she would have her way of like kind of nudging me a certain direction. And like, yeah, similar to you, um, I, I, I didn't want to do, I didn't want to do uh, like medicine or like lawyer or, you know, so I, I chose, I, I did, I kind of copped out. I did like economics, right? Which was like... Uh, kind of like a compromise because they were they were paying for the bill i i didn't have loans luckily i did not have loans so so they mm -hmm. were paying the bill and if i did the visual arts like when i first met you and switch if i switched to that uh because yeah. by the time i met you i was already a sophomore or a junior and i would mm -hmm. have had taken an extra year but um what i'm curious about is like like was your mom always in the picture like from a kid or were there periods of time where you were just by yourself or did uncles take care of you or like Basically, was she the main like authority figure in your life throughout your life, or did you have like periods where you're just by yourself? Um, yeah, I mean, no, she was definitely there, but I think after I was sixteen, yeah, I lived on my own. What? So I moved what? out. I moved out when I was sixteen because m my mom wanted to move to uh, another city, San Leandro. Yeah. Um, because of her job and, you know, different, uh, like the economic situation and financial situation we were in. And I told her I didn't want to change schools because I had already been moving around so much as a kid. And I told her now I have friends and I'm at the high school already. I want to just finish the high school in one high school when I didn't want to move. And she was very supportive of that. And she said, okay, fine. Then, um, you know, we'll just rent like a small room for you here until you finish high school. And so that's what I did. You know, I moved out and I had like a studio apartment, like a really, I found one that was like really cheap right next to my high school. Wow. So that was the first place that I lived. And actually, no, the first place I lived in was my friend's house. My friend Joe, um, they had a small little room that they were renting out. This was like a Taiwanese family. And I, rent, I rented the room for 300 a, a month and it included food and everything. And like, you know, her parents were, uh, his parents were, were there and they, yeah, kind of looked out for me a little bit. Oh, damn. That's cheap, man. Like even, yeah, yeah even for those times. Okay. Uh, so, so you lived at the family, friend's place and then you went to your studio. Okay. Yeah. Did you, uh, <laughs> did you have girlfriends in uh, high school or no? Um, I dated, uh, I dated a couple of girls. Cause like, if yeah, you, dude, that's pretty dope. Like anything, um, like a girlfriend, girlfriend, serious, you know, girlfriend. 
Okay, because because if you got a studio, that's kind of that's kind of pimp, man. Like at sixteen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, it definitely worked that's out. Uh, yeah, it definitely worked out pretty well. Oh snap! Um, and everyone would come over. You know, everyone wanted to come over, and some of my friends who, who you know, ran away or whatever, they would find their way to my place and chill there for a few nights until they could go home. <laughs> oh wow! Okay, okay. Yeah. Um, all right, so let's uh, let's 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 fast forward it to like um, okay, so you uh, college uh, then from college you did uh, yeah you finished your degree on time I think or did you take an extra year? No, I did it in four. Cool, cool. And then after that, after college, were you you were set on making bang bang right? I'm trying to remember the timeline here. Mm-hmm. And then so yeah, I did a lot of music videos. Uh, just working on music videos or shooting little ones for local artists. And then I did the movie, I think, in 2010. Oh, wait. No, I shot at the end of 2009. Yeah. So, like, two years after I graduated. Okay, yeah, yeah. Because I remember I read that while I was in call. You gave you sent me, like, a rough draft while I think maybe when I was just out of college. So, yeah, that sounds about right. Because I graduated, what, 06? Okay, because you were already writing it by then. I think you had like a rough draft around 06, 07, I think, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. definitely. And then you shot it 09. Okay, and then how was that run? Was it pretty dope? Like ha- fi- like finishing your first feature? That's like no joke, man. Some people don't even get that far. Yeah, it was definitely a very good experience. Um, and a, definitely a, a learning experience. So... Yeah, I mean, it was it was kind of a long time ago, but I mean, it was crazy. I I was very inspired by Justin Lin's story about how he had the actors living at his house and using credit cards. Although in hindsight, the credit cards thing wasn't that great of an advice. <laughs> um, and I think they were saying that more as like a marketing tool, which kind of screwed me over. But yeah, I, mean, I did the whole thing. Like I did the credit card stuff. I asked for money from different people, relatives, and in the end, uh, yeah, a couple of my relatives came through and we were able to make the film. And I had the actors and the crew live at my house at the time in San Diego. Wow. And it was a crazy experience because you have a mix of these uh, Hollywood crew that I brought, a lot of them were from Hollywood, and then you have like these gangsters, Vietnamese or Cambodian gangsters mixed in (laughs) at the house Filming during the day, coming back, drinking, partying at night, and repeating it, you know, every day for like six days a week. Um, it was an interesting experience, very good experience. And um, two relationships happened out of this filming, out of this uh, living at my house kind of situation. Yeah. So that was, uh, if anything, at least I could say that I created two relationships. <laughs> was that with Ty and Rascal or? No, no, no. It was my roommate, my roommate and the production designer and David, the actor with like uh, another designer. Oh, relationships like, oh, they, they became a couple. Relationships, man. Romantic relationships. Romantic relationships. So you, you're a matchmaker, Byron. Yeah, matchmaker. <laughs> are, you, are they still together? No. Oh, okay. Oh, but the, hey, man, that's that's part of life, I guess. Yeah. Okay, 
damn, I maybe <laughs> I that makes me just want to make a movie so I can get in a relationship. <laughs> get in a relationship. <laughs> no, 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 that's not Very expensive. That's an expensive way to that's a, that's really too. No, no, I'd rather do online dating, but um, yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, oh, talk about relationships, like, um. Dude, like when you're making the first feature, like were you in a relationship or you're pretty single? Like you were single for a bit, I remember. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I-, I wasn't in a relationship during the filming of my first movie. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's good for focus, I guess, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but then after that, and you did the whole festival route, like you're pretty successful in the Asian American circuit. Uh, but like, like real talk though, you had those that credit card stuff you had to pay back though, huh? And did, did any yeah. money come back from the film at all or uh bang bang yeah bang bang uh in hindsight and you know it took a few years but yeah it made the money back and even now it's still trickling in kind of um there's, there's always some random people buying it on a uh, real house real house is the platform that i use to uh, host all my films oh nice and um yeah so bang bang was definitely a success compared to my other films yeah which uh yeah didn't really do too so well just just for our listeners bang bang is about um basically a, a vietnamese gangster who finds music as a like a creative outlet and he wants to use that as a way to basically turn his life around um and uh i mean with 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 that actor uh did he i mean how's he do how, do you keep in touch with any of the actors or the crew from the bang bang at all or Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Because you and David made some stuff after, right? The like the aliens in Hollywood mm-hmm. and stuff, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, the the actor uh, Ty Ty he's a uh, uh, gangster rapper, and he was a popular rapper already from the '90s. This is like before YouTube and all this stuff. He had a couple of viral songs that was just like passed on, you know, from people. One of them was called. I think Vietnamese gang and like all my friends, all my Vietnamese friends were bumping this just like in high school. Yeah. And so I knew of him from that and I reached out to him to bring him on into that movie. And fortunately he was like, yeah, I'm down because at that time I think he was not really doing too much music stuff anymore. Yeah. But as the movie was coming out, suddenly he got signed to a independent label four, five, four, and they started putting out a lot of music videos and, uh, songs and you know just marketing and everything so I kind of caught that wave as he was like re-emerging yeah and then he had the movie come out so yeah I was very lucky that I was able to catch that wave that's awesome no the timing like no the timing is like everything right like yeah mm-hmm. yeah so after that like were you burnt out from making films or do you you took a break for a bit right or did you go right back into no no after that i was very uh, inspired and motivated because the festival run had been so successful yeah um you know at least some of the asian american film festivals and people really enjoyed the film so i was like all right i'm gonna make another one and i made a documentary right away like rascal love i made it pretty much like the next year yeah i that came and out like, right away out. yeah 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 so i followed up with that and those two movies go hand in hand because yeah the the documentary wouldn't be there without bang bang because i had met vanna foot he's uh, one of the actors in bang bang yeah and through meeting him through the movie 
I learned about his personal story and you know how he was a break dancer and uh, you know, a lot of the struggles that he went through as a child growing up. So and he was really trying to make some sort of documentary uh, regarding this, and I decided to just you know help him do that and really tell his story, and that's what we did. That's dope, man. And then after that, um, then uh, Las Vegas story came a few years after that. I'm trying. I'm trying to remember, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And that was so. Between that, you were like you were just doing like gigs. I'm guessing, yeah. Yeah, between those two films, I was writing the scripts, and I was working on different kinds of uh, projects. You know, we did we did Hollywood Aliens in between that time. It was a little web series pilot that we were trying to pitch yeah. to people. And you're living in and, L.A. at the time, right? Yeah, I, I moved to L.A. right after I made Bang Bang, and so I was working in different uh, production um, yeah, diff- different productions and doing corporate videos or music videos and just trying to try and do anything really. Cool, cool. But now, real quick, just try try to bring it to the present. Like, uh, so Las Vegas story was about uh, this escort, uh, this female escort who uh, basically it's about her life and she's like a mom of a, of a bunch of kids. And then David Quinn is in it as well. Uh, do you want to talk a little bit about the story of Las Vegas Story, like how that came about and how it, how it turned out and all that? Yeah, Las Vegas Story. Yeah, it's uh, about a woman who is working as an escort in Las Vegas, and it's really about her relationship with a couple of characters that come into her life. One of them is like a friend who's having a midlife crisis, and another is like a love interest who's uh, yeah like an ex of hers who's a drug dealer and and another older gentleman one of her clients who's uh having some sort of health problems dude that guy's in uh the dark knight he's in the dark knight <laughs> yeah that guy eric roberts yeah, yeah yeah that's that's dope i mean was he pretty cool on set yeah he's great to work with nice nice uh dan yeah. if you if you remember the dark knight he's um yeah uh what's what's his character he's like the um mob boss or something right yeah, mm, I think so. I, I know who Eric Roberts is. Oh, you do? Okay, great. Okay. Yeah, he's from Best of the Best. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Best of the Best. Um, but but what's up, man? You say it wasn't as successful as Bang Bang, or what's going on? Yeah, that film wasn't uh, too successful. Ah. Uh. Because yeah, it just really wasn't. It didn't fit into a, a specific genre. You know, it wasn't like. Well, first of all, dramas, like indie dramas, are very hard to push out. Okay. Um, and it didn't really fit with the whole thriller aspect of it, which it did have a little bit of that. Yeah. And, yeah, and when it doesn't fit into a category perfectly, it's not going to do so well. And you don't have a star. Like, Eric Roberts, okay, but the thing I didn't know is that Eric Roberts does a lot of indie films. So his uh, star value is really not there anymore in terms of getting a distributor or, you know, even getting somebody to watch a film. People are like, okay, great, but who else is in it? And uh, if you don't have another star, it, there's no uh, marketing value to it. Hmm. And it didn't really do so well in the film festival market. You know, it didn't get into any of the big festivals like I had hoped for. Yeah. And, yeah. 
I mean, so I, but I'm guessing for that one though, because I think production value wise, you stepped it up a notch. I remember, I saw, I saw it, and like, I think no, you you learned some stuff. Definitely learned a lot from it. It looks like because you you were doing like a car chase scene, you were shooting on yeah. like like a nicer camera and all that. Um, but uh, so what's up now? Now like you took a break from film for a while, huh? Uh, it's been a yeah, uh, definitely. I think three or. Yeah, about three years or so. Let's talk about Byron. What's going on? What's going on, man? <laughs> um, yeah, uh, after Las Vegas story, I had to really reflect a little bit. And yeah, it was a pretty hard hit for me because I think I thought that the film was uh, great and that it would do this or that. And when it didn't hit anything, like it wasn't just like, oh, I didn't hit my target. It was like it dropped way below what I had hoped for. Yeah. And it... I had to reflect on why and my own artistic, um, you know, uh, value to that film. And yeah, it took a lot of reflection and I learned a lot from it because it was a big failure and it really humbled me and made me um, take a really deep look at what I was doing and how the film business works. So I got really into the film business side. I went to a lot of these film markets and I talked to a lot of different distributors and sales agents. And so I educated myself on that aspect. Mm. And then I've been writing a lot. I've been focused on developing my craft as a screenwriter because I felt like that was one of the um, the points of my last film where it could have been stronger, you know, from a conceptual point and also from a writing point, it could have been stronger. And if you have a really good script, from there you can build on like a really great film. Mm. And I've just been, yeah, writing, man. Just working on my writing. Do you want to write for? Because your pilot got picked up for a, uh, for a competition, right? Your TV pilot. Yes, yes. Uh, I wrote recently a new pilot. Is that, that the one I read? One-hour drama. It's the Oakland one, right? Um, about uh, triads. It's about like he's doing gun. He does gun running to protect his family restaurant, or no? It's different. Yeah, yeah, but the the script that you read is very different. It's still the same idea yeah. that I was doing, but like it, it's a lot different from the one that you read. Dude, you're but pretty much the same kind of concept. <laughs> what? Okay, Daniel. Just the, the thing about Byron though is like he'll send me something, right? And I'll be like, yeah. "Are you still working on that?" He's like, "Oh no, no, no. I I I am, but like I changed it to triad. <laughs> like this happens <laughs> all the time, man. Like this fool like is prolific, so." Um, no, hey, I'm I'm jealous, man. That's good, for, good for you, dude. Like for me, like I will stick on like one idea and I'll just like grind it out. But I like I like how you're more flexible. That's good, yeah. Well, I mean, in a sense, it is the same idea. It's just that I when I do a rewrite, I throw away my script, you know, and I start from uh, a blank page. What? So whatever whatever I retain from my last draft, like let's say I sent you the draft that you read. Yeah. And then you're like, ah, it's, it's all right, or this and that. It was actually and then, you know, not bad. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but if I don't get, and, and I'll, I'll think about it on my own as well, even after listening to other people's feedback, I'll take a deep look at the script and let it sit for a while. And then I'll just put it aside and be like, hmm, I think maybe it could go in another direction. And then I'll start, basically I'll start from new, and I'll start writing a treatment for it, for like a, a new version of it. Yeah. And whatever gets retained will stay in there, but I don't go back to that script and keep looking at it. In fact, I would like to just kind of forget about it wow. as much as possible. So it's kind of like 
okay, I see what you're saying. It's kind of like you had to do that, get that script out. The the vomit draft, I guess, is what they call it, right? Or like yeah. the fir- that first draft out, and just having it is kind of like more of a workout. And then and then now you're gonna come back with like a more polished idea conceptually and retaining right because yeah because when you look at a concept it could go in a thousand ways oh, you know for sure, the concept yeah. is yeah like a um a mob boss uh involved with drun uh gun smuggling and it's about his relationship with his family yeah and and i wanted to set that in the bay area during the 90s so that's kind of like the world that it's set in but from just that basic concept I mean, you can make the story more focused on the mob boss, or it could be more focused on his son, or it could be about him and the Mexican uh, worker in his restaurant, or it could not be about a Mexican restaurant and the worker. It could be about the uh, triad drama where there's like people trying to kill him or this and that. So now the new version is like he's already dead right from the beginning, and he comes back as a ghost. <laughs> I'm sorry. And that's like the the kicker for the the you know the selling point, which is it's a triad drama but with a paranormal twist. Oh, oh man! I remember. Okay, I read that first draft that you sent me, and that was like the small part at the end. And I was like, uh, mm-hmm. what the hell's going on, right? Okay, so you took that small <laughs> part and you made that the freaking focus. Okay, all right, all right. I mean, it's it's still small. It's subtle in there, but it's definitely like you know, underlying the entire um, series, but it's now focused more on the son, the character of the son. And it's kind of like a coming of age story about the son dealing with the death of his father. Um, and, and very focused and, and the son starts a gang or he joins a gang. Uh, uh-huh. wait. And it's basically about that. And, and it's about his relationship with a uncle of his, like uh, a friend of his father's who comes in and kinds and, and helps the family. And becomes a father figure to him, but in a, yeah, not maybe not in a positive way. Dan, what do you think about that idea? Uh, it's very interesting. I, I'm very curious to see why. It seems like a lot of your stories deal with the seizure side of life, um, with like Bang Bang. It was like the Vietnamese gangsters, and then with Las Vegas story, it was about um, prostitution. Yeah escorts and then now it's going to be about triads and gun running i was i was wondering why that was i mean is there something in your childhood that brought you to those those stories <laughs> yeah of course i mean you know i think with any uh writer or director i think a lot of their own experiences or yeah own demons or whatever comes into their stories and for me i mean i've always been a fan of gangster movies like triad films, like Young and Dangerous. Uh, I was a big fan of that. So I think I like that dark aspect of uh, gangsterism or just that that underworld kind of uh, place. But for myself, in terms of my own life, I think I was drawn to gangs as a young child, although there wasn't really that many gangs in our uh, area, at least not like real gangs. I was drawn to this idea of... uh, brotherhood or camaraderie with the friends and and how the dynamics within this group work because i had a lot of experience with my own groups of friends and you know and and the drama and betrayals uh, within these groups so i think that's why i made bang bang i and i always wanted to see like asian american 
gangster film, which I didn't really see, or at least I didn't see one that was like, you know, really popping out for me. And with this uh, pilot, I kind of went back to my original roots because I, I wrote a bunch of other scripts that were more like genre films, like a horror movies or, you know, like a science fiction kind of thing. And I said, you know what, let me just write something that I just want to write and I don't really care if people want to make this or not. And what I really wanted to write was something set in the 90s in the Bay Area and taking kind of what I saw in my own area as a child, but dramatizing it and making it just a little bit, um, you know, a uh, little bit uh, to the edge of what it really was and adding these little things in there. Mm. But a lot of the stuff in this pilot, it does come from a, a place of truth, you know, with the gun smuggling. And, yeah, I, I saw some of that because there was, like, a, a gun case back in the 90s against um, a group of Chinese people in the Bay Area. And my mom was one of these people who got implicated in this case. And later on, we found out, oh, yeah, like, a lot of these uncles or people that I met during this time... Uh, they were actually like the ringleader of this gun smuggling operation. Oh, damn. So, so I took that real life story that really happened and I dramatized it into like this triad thing. You know, I don't know if they were really involved with triads, but they were like these big gun smugglers and they got busted by the FBI and they were trying to smuggle in like 2000 AK 47s through the port of uh, San Francisco. Whoa. And it was, like, all over the news. Clinton talked about it, used it as a political thing to attack China. And, yeah, it was in Vanity Fair magazine uh, about the FBI agents who uh, raided them or who went undercover to bust these guys. But I knew these guys, you know? like, <laughs> But I saw them in a different way. That's crazy. Right. Because, like, um, so yeah, go ahead, Dan. I was just wondering how, uh, I mean, I might be skipping ahead, but how did you end up uh, where you are now, you're physically? In, you're in Germany, man. <laughs> yeah, good question. Um, yeah, I, my girlfriend is German, so I moved here to uh, be with her. Oh, very cool. Mm-hmm. And then so you're entering you, this pilot script, or this, this script got picked up, are, are you... Are they developing? Um, well, no, no, it didn't get picked up. James uh, misspoke, I think. Uh, what he meant was it placed in a competition. My as bad. A semi-finalist. I'm trying. I'm trying to. I'm trying to build you up, dog. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't do that, man. Come on, you're letting people down. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it just uh, recently placed in a small competition. It's called the We Screenplay Diverse Voices. Um, and they look for scripts that are yeah about underrepresented groups and stories about minority groups and um yeah it's still running so next month i find out if it's going to be a finalist or not but it's a small contest but for me it was a good uh, encouragement because um yeah for this script especially because this is the first competition that this script has gone into and a lot of people have been drawn to this surprisingly because i told you when i first wrote it it was more just for myself or as a writing sample but um, actually, I have a producer who is also interested in it, and he is trying to help me develop it a little bit. So there's definitely some uh, interest for this, and we're pushing forward. That's awesome, man. I mean, is there a reason why you're trying TV versus film? Because your background seems to be film. 
Yeah, yeah. Film. I mean, uh, TV right now is is hot. You know, a lot of people want series, and I think I was looking at it more like it could be a more stable job for me if I could be staffed on a show. And yeah, and there's more and more shows being uh, made right now, so there's a lot more positions open. Mm. And I'm actually interested in the medium because if you think of a film, you have to tell everything within like an hour and a half or two hours. But with a TV series, it's like there's so many possibilities because now a lot of the series, they're not really following the traditional TV format. So it's very free range and people are experimenting with the form. And it's it's kind of like having a novel, you know. When you read a novel, you spend so much time with the characters and the story. And the same with a TV series, the audience is spending a lot more time with these characters and you have an opportunity to really build them up, drop them down and bring in new characters and tell like an epic story. Mm. Dan, did you have a follow up on that or? Oh, no, I, I'm, yeah, I, I totally agree. I mean, film is, is definitely changed. The, I, I heard somewhere, read somewhere that back in the 80s and 90s like film was for adults and child tv was for children and now it's flipped it's gone the <laughs> other way where mm-hmm. film is yeah. for children and then tv is for adults that's good yeah thing. a lot of the serious uh you know serious dramas are definitely going to the tv series byron so how, uh, how long have you been in germany though uh, i've lived here for three years uh, almost three years how's your german my german it's uh getting better yeah, I, I can have some very basic conversations with people and, and I could get around and, you know, understand for the most part what people are talking about. Okay, Dan, I'm going to segue if that's cool. Okay, sure. Byron, I want to talk about your love life. <laughs> All right. So, okay. Byron, I know he's been focused guy. Uh, but he's had some relationships, and with these relationships, I remember Byron's been learning languages. One of his relationships was with a, 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 a lady that he met in South America, and he was learning some Spanish at the time. And then now, and <laughs> no, he, I didn't have a relationship with her, man. He he met a, he he knew he knew he knew of a he knew someone. Anyways, <laughs> he didn't have a relationship. Okay, um, fine. Sorry, clarify, Byron. My, okay, clarify. What's what's yeah. going on? Like so. You and um, and your current significant other, so wow, mm-hmm. like, okay, um, I I've done long distance before, like, so like real talk, this relationship okay. you're in now, is this like the first serious one you've had in like long time or ever, or what, what's going on? Like, what made you make that jump to move? Because that's a that's a huge decision, man. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty serious. Uh, I mean, we've been dating for almost uh, five years, so. And um, yeah, it was. Did you meet her in the was, LA uh, or what's up? No, uh, I met her when I was traveling in Brazil. Oh yeah, yeah. And then we were um, just long distance for a little bit for I think yeah over a year or so. Yeah. And then uh, and then I moved because it was easier for me to move here. You know, at that time I was just doing freelance uh, video stuff. And, yeah, there was no uh, full-time job or anything um, keeping me there. And, in fact, I always wanted to live overseas and uh, just get a different experience. And it seemed like the uh, the right thing to do. 
Well, at least now, like, <laughs> you're not in America that's ruled by uh, our current president. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Pretty, uh, pretty crazy what's going on. Like, like, how'd you, how, did you, did you guys just instantly connect or, or it took some time? Because doing long distance, for me, I, I did long distance because I had already built in that time with her at the time, you know? Um, we spent like a like a like a good two you know almost two years together before we did long distance. But with you and her, it sounds like you were long distance from the start. Is that is that correct? Yeah, yeah. But um, I was able to come here and visit her for like a longer period of time each time. Yeah. Like two weeks, three weeks, or even a month. And and she would come and visit me, and she would stay for yeah like a couple of weeks, and. She, just the timing of it you know like she had time off um so she was able to come and yeah so we did spend like periods of time together and then and then i moved over but yeah it was you know we hit it off right away so it was definitely one of those things where it's like it wasn't like we were you know slowly dating or um getting to know each other or whatever like that yeah it was pretty uh pretty crazy <laughs> how the visa work how's the visa situation i mean moving to another country that's pretty interesting but i mean how the, the whole logistics of it how does that work yeah it was pretty easy as an american moving to germany but you do have to go through a process so you could come here for three months on a tourist visa and that's what i did and then during that three months apply for a work visa and for that you just need to show that you have a job here like a job offer and you need to show that you have a place to live and that you have some money in your bank account or something and you need to get health insurance and a couple other things but you know it was very much like do all these steps and you'll get your visa before before her like like were you in serious relationships before this one or this like your first real serious one um no i was in another relationship before okay like um yeah for like a couple years um because i know for me i'm i'm just getting i got my my last one years ago and i took a break for a while did you take a break from that one to this one or you just went in, like this just happened <laughs> yeah pretty much this happened. Oh wow! So right after the last one, you just jumped. It. This this yeah. one happened. Okay, I guess it, it it's kind of like you don't have a choice who you fall in love with, right? Right, right. Do you believe that or? Yeah, definitely. Huh. Yeah. Daniel, do you agree with that? Yeah. <laughs> uh, totally. <laughs> Daniel, you're married, right? Yeah, I am. Yeah. Married, two kids. So, yeah, I yeah. guess it just happened. Yeah, man, family life. De yeah. Byron, you want to settle down with, or I guess it sounds like you're kind of settling down, huh? Yeah, yeah I would like to uh, have some kids as well. Okay, I want to talk about Germany. What's what's life like in Germany? Uh, it's very cold. Very cold. <laughs> what part of Germany are you in? It's uh, northern Germany. It's Hamburg. Hamburg? Hmm? Yeah, I have relatives there. Oh, really? In Hamburg? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, you should come out and visit. Dude, I, you know, yeah. I should do that. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of like in between stuff right now. Maybe I should do that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you guys are welcome here, you know? <laughs> Just don't come in the winter. It's really cold. 
have you gone to the to the red light district rubber bond? That's all. all about as oh much yeah, as the rubber bond. Yes, yes. It's uh, the rubber bond's very intense. Uh, I don't usually go there. Uh, I've been there only a few times. And usually, when friends come visit, I'll take them and show them that area. But it's like I, I don't drink, so and I don't really go out and party and stuff. Yeah. So there's really no reason for me to go out there. And every time I go over there, it's just like too crazy. People are drunk and you can't even understand what they're saying. <laughs> so it's like you don't know what's going on. Byron. Yeah. I. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry, Dan. Go ahead. No, no. Go right, right ahead. I was just going to say cousin used to party out there. <laughs> <laughs> Byron, you've changed a lot. Uh, I remember we just like we would be like doing all kinds of substances back in college. I, I don't I don't drink now either because of I have my skin disorder. I have psoriasis. Um, mm-hmm. But um, I want before we end this podcast, I really want to talk about because some okay leading up to like fairly this last couple of years, I've been noticing your posts and you kind of mm-hmm. talking you're you're becoming like really self reflective. I mean you've always been fairly self reflective guy. But I think mm-hmm. it wasn't until recently that, like, this change in lifestyle has that be- has that been because of certain meditation or like books you've read or what's going on. Um. Yeah. Recently. Is this after Las Vegas I story? Mean, Is that the reason or? Um. Even before that film, I had sort of like a spiritual awakening in a sense. Like I read a book by Deepak Chopra. It was talking about a lot of uh, ego and spirituality and, you know, body and mind and soul. And that's what initially got me interested in it and made me aware of that there was such a thing. And so over the years, I started to do some meditation and also just to start thinking a little bit more about that topic. And I read a couple other books uh, about Buddhism, about different things. But it wasn't until this year, actually, that I really saw a uh, a big change because I did this meditation retreat called Vipassana. Okay. It's a Vipassana meditation. And it's a special kind of uh, meditation that was used by Gautama the Buddha to reach enlightenment. Mm. And so when I got this kind of uh, technique, I was like, wow, this is like a really solid technique. Because before when I did meditation, it was just for you know, 15 minutes every day in the morning, which is really nothing when you look at what I did for this, which was 10 days of straight meditation. Just like we wake up at 4.30 in the morning and just meditate all day. For 10 days straight? And then I started, yeah. Wow. And now I continue to practice that. So I try to meditate um, like an hour in the morning and usually, hopefully, an hour in the evening. And and I started reading uh, another book that's about the life of Buddha. And yeah, uh, I'm really embracing it. And I, I see there's a lot of truth in this. Um, yeah, if you want to call it a religion, it's more of like a way of living and a way of seeing life and the universe. And so, yeah, I've just been doing more soul searching and reflecting on some of these uh, teachings and practicing the meditation technique because I really see that it does have a, a strong effect. Like I'm becoming more aware of myself and other people and what's happening in certain situations and just being able to make more clear-minded decisions 
And it's definitely helped in my writing. You know, when you're writing, you're trying to come up with ideas. A lot of times your mind is just going in all sorts of directions. But with meditation, it trains your mind to focus, to be very focused. And uh, it really develops more creativity when your mind is more focused and calm and not thinking about a thousand things. Mm. Are you sitting or standing? Yeah, sitting. Okay, you're just sitting, eyes closed or eyes open? Closed. Oh, interesting. And th- are there different hand positions that you have or no? You just. Um, I usually just put my hands together. Okay. But, I mean, you could also put on your legs or wherever. There's really uh, wherever you're comfortable with. Dan, you, do you ever mess around with meditation? Uh, only for Qigong. Yeah. Oh, nice. That's so you do the zan, the standing meditation, the zan zhuang. Yes. Yeah. 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 Huh. I need. I I do that. I do like the standing meditation where I stand for thirty minutes, but I only do it like a few times a week. If I think, yeah, that's dope. So you're doing this every day, huh? Yeah, I, I try to at least a little bit every day. Now, does your girl does your girlfriend practice with you, or does she have her own path? Um, she's doing a little bit of meditation on her own, but um, she, we're going together to the meditation retreat again in August. Yeah. So there she'll learn like the real technique of this uh, technique. Now, where is this? Where is this retreat? Uh, this one, the one I go to, is in is a small town in Germany. It's called Tribel, oh. but they have them everywhere. So if you look up the Pasana meditation. Uh, they have um, they have one in California, yeah, pretty much all over the world. They have these centers, and you can go there and get the training, and it's actually free. You don't have to pay anything. They teach it to you for free. Hmm. It's not. That's pretty cool. It's not a cult, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 definitely not. Okay, cool. Cause like whenever I hear something free, it's like, okay, what do you want me to? <laughs> what do you want me to give up in return for the for a service? You know what I'm saying? Because there, there are like... Right. The, yeah. The, I, yeah, I was thinking the same thing when I went to this. And yeah, but once I went, I realized it's a very special thing. And it's almost like a hidden secret, like a hidden gem in the world. You know, it's so hard to find something like this where it's like, whoa, this is actually a very logical technique. It's not anything hocus pocus. There's no, you know strange uh, esoteric rituals or anything it's just a very scientific way to think about the sensations in your body and how you use these sensations to overcome craving or aversion and yeah it definitely helped me a lot and for different people it has different um, magnitudes of how much it helps them but for me it's starting to change a lot like do you so um are there things that you have to give up in order to take this path? Are you eating meat still? Um, I eat meat occasionally. Uh, I eat less meat, for sure. And whenever I can, I'll go with the more vegetarian meal. Yeah. But I haven't given up meat completely. But when you're at the retreat, it is uh, yeah vegetarian. And during this 10 days, you you can't use your cell phone. You can't read anything it's just only meditation and and no other distractions and you can't um drink or smoke cigarettes or anything wow so it's just meditation and sleep 
yeah, you could walk around, you know, and there's breaks in between where you can just chill out a little bit. But um, for the most part, you're there to practice this technique. Huh. Dan, you got thoughts on that? Or do you have friends that do something similar? No, nothing like that. Yeah. I know. Yeah, I definitely recommend it. You know, if you guys are looking for something uh, just to learn about meditation or, or it's just interesting experience in general, even if you don't really practice this afterwards, it's like just being by yourself and not really talking for 10 days and no cell phone, no books, nothing. It really changes your, your, uh, your consciousness a little bit. And you don't really uh, recognize this until you've actually done it. You're like, whoa, like I feel so much calmer. And yeah, just like you see the physical effect of it. Just by speaking to you, I do notice that you do seem more calm. Because I, I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, you had you did used to have some sort of anxiety before i i could sense would you say that you, yeah 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 definitely i think i have uh a lot of anxiety and yeah uh, many problems you know uh everyone has a certain level of anxiety or uh stress but yeah definitely i think i was one of the ones who had uh yeah many issues that i was dealing with internally drugs do you do drugs still? <laughs> drugs? No, man. No. Drug-free. I, I uh, don't do drugs. Yeah, because um, I don't know. I took... Um, okay, wait. I don't know if this... if Can you... Okay, let's just say I was friendly with this girl named Molly before, right? And... Uh, <laughs> and Probably going to have to edit this out later, huh? And basically, um, <laughs> me and her, like, we were cool, but like... I don't know when I do like standing meditation or if I have a good workout or if I just if I do like Chai Chi for a bit I don't know man I feel better doing that than being with her you know and so I had a, I, I, I I only did I me and her just met one time that was it and then mm. after that I was like depressed for like a week or like yeah for more and like I've been depressed before right but like I don't know like it 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 wasn't that great of it wasn't as good of a high as maybe doing meditation or um tai chi or something i don't know i mean do you guys have thoughts on that or um yeah with the molly it's um it drains your serotonin levels so the way the chemical works is like when you're on it 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 releases all your serotonin yeah. all at once and that's why you feel so happy when you're on it but because it's all been released in one big spurt, afterwards you have a lack of serotonin, and that's what makes you depressed. Okay. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. But yeah, that kind of happiness or that kind of high is a, a superficial kind of high. And whereas when you do meditation or um, any other kind of uh, meditative technique, you're tapping into a higher level. You're tapping into like uh, your consciousness. You know, like the a deep consciousness. And that's something that is not like a brain chemical, okay. you know, it's a little bit different. Huh. Uh, Dan, you have thoughts on that? No, I haven't, I haven't really uh, met Molly. <laughs> so I, 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 I wouldn't know. Um, but you've done, you've done like Qigong and stuff and, and um, Daniel's a martial artist as well, like, or like even with surfing, like do you have do you get a certain high from these activities that like that's pretty dope? 
I can't speak for Byron, but uh, I don't get a high so much as like, you know what's great about surfing? I mean, the ride is great. When, when you catch a wave and you like go up and down and, you know, just that part's great. But I think it's the idea of like the struggle and especially on really big days, you just kind of like forget about lots of things. And in lots of ways, it's like meditation and that you just have a singular focus. Uh, I know in meditation, you're not really supposed to think about too much and just let go of lots of things. But when uh, when you're battling for waves or battling through waves, especially on the really big days, you're, you're just like, you, you just don't worry about anything else. And once you get past all that, mm. I, I think it's like this calmness, at least for me. It's like, oh, yeah, there's not, there are like lots of bad things in the world and there are a lot of things to worry about. But when you're like um, trying to get through and try, <laughs> trying to survive, it, lots of things become trivialized. Mm. At least that's 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 the thing for me. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, it, it brings you to the moment. You're just focused on what's happening right there in that moment and on your breathing as well, especially yeah. when you're held under for a while. You come up, you're like... <gasps> You right. really, you're just focused on your breathing. Okay, next breath, next breath. Come on, and and being something with like being in nature, like you're just immersed in Mother Nature. Um, that always brings a certain level of uh, calmness or meditation. Hmm. One thing I want to share with you guys is like, um, one time I was it, I was living in Australia. I was backpacking, um, and with my ex girlfriend at the time, and. There's this uh, uh, sand island. It's the largest sand, sand island in the world called Fraser Island uh, in, uh, off the uh, east coast of Australia. And the, one of the guys I was traveling with, which was me, my, my ex-girlfriend, and another backpacker and myself, four of us, we, 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 we uh, went to Fraser Island. And there he went. He's a really fit guy. He started swimming across this lake called Lake MacArthur. And... Um, Really beautiful and I really beautiful lake. I could see the other shore, right? Um, and like you could walk out for a good bit. So I was like, oh, it should be too bad. Um, I was recovering from a cold, but I thought that I could do it. And uh, he swam, you know, he swam across, and I followed him. And uh, about halfway or so, I got really tired, either from my cold or or just being, you know, not not using my energy efficiently. And I just remember like, oh shit, I can't feel the ground underneath me at all, right? And I had this feeling of, uh, of terror, you know? Oh. This feeling of like, holy shit. And I kept moving, but I was getting really tired. And I started thinking about, okay, uh, if I die right now, like my girlfriend's going to kill me. Like, because <laughs> she's like, how is she going to get back? And then... I don't know. It's interesting. You know, they talk about how your life flashes before your eyes. Well, it was more like these thoughts entered my mind about maybe it's like this Asian guilt thing. I'm not sure, but it was kind of like, damn, man, um, my parents will be really disappointed in me. I just died with some thrill seeking thing. Um, so what I did is I, I, I went through that moment of terror and I was like, Okay, uh, you know, I, I started thinking about of like martial arts training, like when you're getting under attack, what do you try to do? You try to breathe and relax. So, and I, I took some swimming back in um, high school. So I turned on my back and try to relax, you know, like how you're supposed to lie on your back and try to float, 
you know? And I did that for a bit to rest a bit. But um, right before that, before I relaxed was like this moment of pure terror. And um, I don't know, that was like, uh, yeah, this moment of like thinking about death, like coming face to face with it. I don't know. Ever since then, I don't think I've really looked at life the same way. Um, and then also, uh, my friend passed away recently, and also my grandma has passed. My grand, my grandpa, my grandparents uh, have passed away. So I don't know. Uh, it's it's. I think as you get older, um, when you're talking about the trivial stuff, I kind of these things become. I think life, certain things about life become more important. Certain things about life become trivial and. You just have to let it go. I don't, I don't know. Have you guys had similar experiences at all, or? Mm, yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I, I think that's part of the reason why I went to the meditation retreat. It really kind of put everything in a more clear view. Uh, like my grandpa also passed away. Um, yeah, at the beginning of the year, and. Were you guys close or? Yeah, definitely. You know, he uh, raised me when I was uh, young in China. Oh, man. I'm sorry about that. And also in America. Yeah. But, yeah, but I mean, you know, after I went to this meditation retreat and learned a little bit more about, um, like, the Buddhism, I think it helped me a lot because a lot of the teachings in Buddhism, it, I mean, one of the teachings is, like, there is no life and death, a birth and death. There is no birth and death. It's just... And it's it's a hard concept to think about it because we always think of life and death, you know. Um, but yeah, like once I started looking into some of these concepts, it helped me deal with it better. Huh. So it's just a continuum. There's no beginning or ending? Well, the idea of a self, there is no self. You know, we only think that there is a self because we think, you know, we have a body and we have our own thoughts and we have this and that. But that's actually a false view. Huh. We're all part of the same thing. And when you die, you think about a wave, you know, a, a wave. The wave, when you look at a wave, you think, oh, that's a wave. But really, the wave, when it crashes, it, it becomes part of the ocean again. And in fact, it is part of the ocean the whole time that it's curling. And that's our life, you know. We're a wave, but we don't realize that we're actually part of the entire ocean, which is gigantic you know and we think oh by the time we crash oh then it's over but no when we crash we go back into the ocean and we're part of something great again oh so there shouldn't be a fear of death or anything you know and and um yeah you, you never really die because you just you're reborn again that's the idea of um reincarnation it's it's not that you become like an animal or something afterwards it's just that your consciousness it's being reabsorbed into the universe and it will come back out again in another form. Mm. And you see yourself and every part of you is in other things as well. You know, it's all interconnected. So your grandpa who passed away is still part of you, I'm assuming. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. You know, and, and if we look at time, you know, time technically doesn't exist. And that's already been proven through the theory of relativity, you know. So you can think of it as like you're sitting in an airplane looking out the window. And to you, there's lights that pass by one at a time, one at a time. 
But if you're outside of the airplane, standing on the runway, you look at the lights, the lights are all there. You know, they're all there. But for you inside the plane, the light, one light has come and gone and it's over. Another light comes and goes. Another light comes and goes. And you think, oh, so many lights, they just keep coming and going. But in reality, they're all there and they will always be there. Hmm. I I wonder, like with this philosophy, I, I, I kind of I get an idea of what you're saying, but then this is me playing devil's advocate. Is like I think it's helpful for the perspective and feeling like the immenseness of the universe. Um, now, but how is this applicable to? Because we're in the plane, right? Because mm-hmm. we are experiencing time linearly, right? Well, I mean, when we're not meditating, I guess we're still experiencing time in this shape or self. Um, so you're saying by stepping outside a plane once in a while, it helps you be better while you're inside the plane, I guess is what you're trying to say? or uh, To understand that the lights that you see that you think are disappearing, yeah. they're not disappearing. They're still there. It's just that it looks like it's disappearing to you because you don't understand what the reality of it is. Hmm. You know? And some of this has already been proven, like... Now, just recently, people are saying, oh, you know, you can break the atom and within each atom is a subatomic particle. And within and each of these particles is actually not a solid particle. It's actually just a vibration or a wave. It's like a string. So you're telling me that everything that we see, everything that we see is not really solid or anything. It's all vibrations, which is a little bit uncomprehensible for most people. But this is what Buddha has said 2,500 years ago. He said that, we're all just little particles. We're all just vibrations, and that, you know, we're not what we think we are. Right, right. Hold on. Okay. Yeah. So, um, all right, Dan, how how are you on time, man? I think we should probably wrap it up pretty soon. I'm I'm sure Byron wants to get on with his day. <laughs> <laughs> Byron, are you cool? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Okay, um, yeah, so um, I guess we can start with, like, um, let's do the language, like, what I'd like to do is um, talk about, um, I do, th- there's so much I want to talk about, especially with your life in Germany, but, like, maybe we'll have you come back as another guest, maybe in the future or something, I, I don't know, if you're, if you're okay with that. Yeah, sure. Yeah, because I do want to talk about, like, race and the different race relations in Germany, too, but that will be a whole other topic we can talk about. I did, but I definitely did want to touch on your spirituality. I'm glad that we had some time to, to talk about that. Um, mm-hmm. So for this next segment, uh, which I like to call, what we like to call uh, Language Corner, yay! Um, uh, yeah! yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, uh, Daniel, did you want to start? Sure, the word for today for me is Zanen. Zanen means kind of like tough luck or out of luck. So you kind of missed out or something happened and it's just like you, you didn't get it. So it'd be Zanen. What language is that? The Japanese. Japanese, okay. Um, so the phrase I want to talk about, uh, you know, it's probably not the most uh, correct pronunciation, uh, but there's a Taiwanese phrase. Um, called bohuato, uh, bohuato, and bohuato means meibanfa. Like uh, the, there's um, there uh, meibanfa. There's there's no way. Uh, there's it's that there's no, it can't be helped basically. Bohuato, 
Um, the Basically, you would use this phrase in that, uh, let's say maybe um, you miss, you, you know, like you, you're a few minutes late, you miss the bus, and you're going to be late to work. And you're like, fuck, you know, there's, there's, that's the way it is. You know, that's, that's, I can't help it. There's no, no, no other way. Um, so I remember hearing this a lot um, with like, uh, you know, like, it's kind of, it's a kind of also, a, I think, a way to deal with anxiety as well. It's like something fucking, something happened that's regretful. And you're like, you know, it's like, shit, okay. It's that's that's what happened, and I kind of like it was a maybe a way to move on. I don't know. Maybe there is another way. Maybe maybe there. Maybe there is a way, but maybe we just have to let go of that way that has passed. I guess is one way I thought of it. Um, yeah. Uh, Byron, hmm. did you have a phrase or do you, do you, so? You said you learned German, mm-hmm. or do you want to share a Mandarin phrase, or what? Which phrase you want? To um, I guess I'll share a German phrase. So my phrase is alles klar, alles klar, alles klar. And that is a very common phrase because people use it here as a greeting or as a how are you. But the direct translation is mm, everything is clear. Is everything clear? But clear here means also everything good. So people say this to each other. as a form of greeting, but I like it because you can also say it for a lot of other things, which is when someone's telling you something and you're just like, all right, I got it, you know, I understand, and yeah, you don't need to say anymore. You could also say, all is clear, all is clear. Oh, so all is it. clear. I guess it kind of sounds like that. Yeah. All is clear. Or everything is fine. Someone bumps into you and they're, oh, sorry, and then you say, all is clear. It's like, everything's fine. Oh. Pretty cool. That's pretty cool. I like that. All right. Cool man. Uh, thank you so much for being on our show, man. Uh, what what you got? You got plans for the rest of the day? Um, yeah, probably just do some writing and a little bit of editing. Nice man. Well, hey, best of luck with you and and your pilot that did not get picked up, but did get selected for a competition. <laughs> so I best of luck for you, man. I know um, we can chat about this offline, but like there's some there's some deadlines at the end of this month in the U S. If you want to submit your pilot, so. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, man. Uh, best of luck to you. Okay. Yeah. Thank you guys for having me on the show. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. Thanks, Byron. Cool. All right. So this is uh, 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 this is Young, aka James, signing off. This is Yin, aka Dan, signing off. And Byron, you want to give us a sign out? Yeah. This is B signing out. Yeah, yeah <laughs> B. All right, man. Uh, good to talk again. All right. See ya. Thanks. Bye. 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 Relationships getting you down